said he is the beginning and he kept arguing with me you know I'm just glad that I believe what the Bible says everything will be all right if we'll believe what the Bible says when you let some other force or spirit bring something into your heart that you begin to believe something other than what the scriptures teach then we're going to have a problem you're going to have a problem so it's important to learn to believe on him as the scripture hath said let him talk to your heart about that. That's why another reason we gather together, not only to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and then to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, but and that saves us from sin and evil spirits and places us in the body of Christ, and it is a definite biblical eternal necessity, but then also so that we can be taught from Romans to Revelation. 
so that we can stay saved. Very, very important. There are teachings in the church, and we want to learn those teachings. In John chapter 13, I would like to read from God's Word to you tonight. And uh, everybody said, Praise the Lord. This is a setting that begins now before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father or unto the Spirit having loved his own which were in the world he loved them unto the end and supper being ended the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him Jesus knowing that the Spirit, the Father, had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, or in other words, come from the Spirit and went to the Spirit. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, doest thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Verse 9 should read, Simon Peter had a complete change of heart right then, a definite attitude adjustment. I just changed my mind, Lord. Verse 9, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He didn't want just a, a wash, Bernard. He wanted the whole works. He wanted the soap. He wanted the undercarriage. He wanted the pedicure and the manicure. He just wanted it all. Shampoo, everything. So, okay. So Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save or accept to wash his feet. But it's clean ever wit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Verse 18, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. I'd like to minister for a little while, a little teaching tonight on simply do what he says. You may be seated. There is an example in the Bible, and it outlines 
showcases the first miracle of the ministry of the man Christ Jesus, the days of his flesh, his earthly ministry. I had a man ask me uh, scripture from the Old Testament, this book of Psalms, and uh, so I read it, and he said, explain that to me. So I turned to First Timothy, Timothy 3.16, and I had him read that God was manifest in the flesh. And uh, somehow that causes some people's mind to go on brain freeze, and they don't, you know, they just can't believe what they're reading because it obviously goes against all of their tradition and all of their commentary and all of their religious training. And, uh, but you know, we have to learn to submit ourselves to God's Word and to His will. We have to learn to lay aside, one place said, even every weight and these sin that does so easily beset us or surround us. We have to learn to uh, somehow get our will out of the way and our ways out of the way. And uh, we have to learn to just simply do what He says. We don't want to fall short. The Bible does talk about that. Neither do we want to exceed what the Lord is asking of us. Uh, we want to remember that in this first miracle, during the days of His flesh, when the great Almighty Jehovah God, who is a spirit, chose to come in the flesh and had made Himself a body made of a woman under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that he being manifest in the flesh, he set some tremendous examples for us to follow. As a youngster, he, uh, his parents, Mary, and I suppose his father Joseph, uh, they, they left him in, in, in Jerusalem. And they finally turned around, looked at one another, and, and she fainted, and Joseph picked her up, and they got her all fixed up real good. And nobody of you would know anything about anything like that. But anyway, they uh, came to the place to where they... Uh, decided we better go back and find out where we left him and what he's gotten up to and what's going on. And, of course, they walked in on a Bible study, and he was uh, telling people things they'd never heard before and explaining things that they didn't understand, and they marveled at his knowledge and his wisdom and his understanding, not knowing that they, number one, were talking to God in the flesh. It's so wise and so great to learn what is right in front of your face. And the tremendous example, not only example, but the tremendous opportunity that one has. Uh, we are not playing church, and this is not uh, some concoction of man's ideas. This is not some organization that comes from man, but this is the church of the living God. You're in one of the congregations of God. And to really believe the Scripture and to believe what the Scripture is instructing us and to believe uh, that it is not some type of little game, it is not to become some type of chess game, that we are to really take the examples of the Scripture and simply learn to do it His way. And so when they found Him, then of course He gave an example of submission. Now here He is, Almighty God come in the flesh. By Him alone the heavens were spread out. By Him alone there was sun, moon, and stars, and all the act of creation was by Him who dwelled in that body of that child that they were looking at. And yet he did submit himself. The scripture said that his mother said, you've given me sorrow of heart. Why have you done this? And so he submitted himself to her, and I'm quite sure that he had the power 
and he had the authority and he had the words and he could have very easily put her in her place. But then he took uh, everything, the big picture, into mind here and said, well, let me go and submit myself to her because my time has not yet come. And I must be an example to other young people and to others that are uh, looking at what's going on. Everywhere I go and everything I do is an example to people. They're looking, and you better believe that people are certainly looking for fault. They would like to find a chink in the armor. They would like to find you uh, somehow doing something wrong and that they might accuse God. They don't care about you. They're, you're like the shuck on the corn. Just throw the shuck away. They're after the corn. And then, in other words, it's not you so much. It's him that they would like to blaspheme and that they would like to put in a bad light and cause others to not believe in him. Whereas we want to be an inspiration to people to believe in him. We want to properly represent him everywhere we go. And that's why uh, the way that the Bible teaches us to conduct ourselves, the way that we are told to stay saved, how we are to live, how we are to walk, how we are to talk, how even to think. We're supposed to think on things that have virtue in them, and so on, praise, and so on and so forth. And that we are to um, do these things not only when we're out in front of people who can see us with eye service or ministry with eye service, but that we are also to do this when people do not see us. That if you're in your home, <coughs> you do not make a difference about the things of God. You don't check them at the door, okay? Everybody said amen. amen. Give God a big hand. So it's important to remember, say somebody, good old Mr. UPS comes and rings your bell. Well, you don't want to answer him at the door in some shocking manner, in some manner that would be less than representing the Lord. You do not <coughs> uh, want to parade yourself around in a manner that, um, once again, would be less than what the Lord is asking of us. And I'm being nice by saying asking. We could use words like demanding or commanding uh, in an authoritative way. Is it not written in the book of Philemon that he said that I would rather that you did this for love's sake? And he said, but if I have to, then I will enjoin you with apostolic authority. But we'd much rather that somebody would do it because of their love of God. And um, the preacher from California asked me about our, our program and what we were doing, and he was um, really wanted some, some words to help him to understand what to do in their situation. And that in itself being asked is very humbling. And, uh, <clears throat> but I told him, I said, one of the things that is uh, so uh, wonderful is that the men that in the churches that I mentioned, that I said, I can call them and I can just say, do this, and they will do it. There will not be an argument. There will not be a fuss. There will not be a, uh, some type of bad attitude that will manifest itself. When we can have that type of harmony, right. when, we can, when I can have somebody that I can call and say, do thus and so, they won't do less, neither will they exceed it. They will do what they are told. And so Jesus, as he gave his example and then went on and grew, and the time came when it was time for his showing to everybody and God knows, the Spirit knows exactly when to do what He wants to do and when it will serve the best interests of everybody. And so the time had come for His showing. And uh, so He is uh, going about on a particular day, and it's time for the first miracle. And He comes to a, a wedding feast in Cana. I suppose they were invited. 
And there as they are at this wedding feast, that beverage that they served that day uh, that was fresh, and so consequently being such a fresh wine, it was non-alcoholic. It did not have a fermentation to it, and so or a very low threshold of it. And so they um, begin to partake of the grape juice, if you please. You could call it that. I don't know, Gatorade, whatever, fusion, whatever you want to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It came from the grape, and they were partaking of it, and lo and behold, they ran out. They have no wine, and it's an embarrassing situation. People have got food climbing out of both sides of their mouth, and they're thirsty, nothing to wash it down with. And like some people, you know, they're just bad, you know, you know, because they don't have their drink. It's amazing how childish some people can be. It's amazing how fleshly some people can be. You know, they just want their way, and they want it right now. Well, anyway. So Mary, a type of the church, Mary... They have no wine. And Jesus is like, yeah, what's that got to do with me? Okay. And so she just ignored the yawn. You'd be surprised sometimes how your faith will get tested. And so Mary, understanding things, she just looked at the disciples, and she said, um, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Well, here comes something that sounds absolutely ridiculous. Okay, guys, I'll tell you what. Go get me four barrels or six barrels or 12 barrels. Go get the barrels. They called them firkins. Go get the barrels. I prefer barrels myself. Go get the barrels and bring them here. Fill them with water and bring them here. Now, you know, if those disciples anything like my disciples, they're like walking away. Like, What's he talking about? Did he go to McDonald's? Did he say go through the drive-thru? What's he talking about? Well, go get barrels of water. What's he talking about? We never have water. Ask Pete. We never have water in the morning. What, what, what are we talking about here? Ah, uh, but remember what Mary said. Mary said, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. So do it. So let's just do what he says. Well, you know, just doing, simply doing what he said, what a great miracle took place. You just never know what kind of miracle will come out of your simple obedience to the Word of God. Simple obedience. And so we have situations that the Bible outlines for us. For an example, in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, the church at Ephesus, the congregation at Ephesus, uh, the Bible teaches that the Spirit of the Lord begin to, through the ministry, begin to minister and begin to tell some good things that the congregation was doing and getting the positive out there to them. And then he said in verse 4, but nevertheless, uh-oh, nevertheless, he said, I have somewhat against thee. And he began to work on that and begin to tell them there's some things that I can say it's a plus and some things that you're doing right and well but now we've got to come to that part that you know might rub you a little bit wrong and you might start tucking your toes under the pew uh, I got to tell you some things here and, uh, and, and the reason the Bible teaches he told them is because he loved them even if you get a sharp rebuke it's because he loves you the book said that, it, that uh, open rebuke open rebuke in front of everybody is better than a secret love it's a whole lot better, too, when people who bless you outwardly but curse you inwardly, you know. So we like things to be through and through. And the Lord loves us through and through. So he balances things. And he helps to bring us to a place to where we can uh, have the whole part of us 
uh, administered to, body, soul, and spirit. His Word does get right down to the joints and the marrow and the soul and the spirit, and that's cutting it mighty close. And He knows how to get down right where we live and to help us to be what He wants us to be. And sometimes the things that the Bible tells us to do can be a little more challenging than other things. But if you'll simply do it. And is it written in the book of Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14, that blessed are they that do His commandments and to become a doer of the Word. Okay? So we got to get past the lip service and we got to get our heart into it. we got to put our heart in what we're doing here. And we want the Lord to help us to have a pure heart. We want our motivations to be right. We want to uh, do the right thing for the right reason here. Okay? And we have to remember that we are uh, in this flesh here. We are in this body of death. And that's why the apostle said that I die daily. you got to die to the flesh on a daily basis. Brother Weekly sprayed all the weeds out here, but I promise you they're going to do their best to come right on back. That's how the flesh is. That fleshly nature. That old way that you've done things in the past before you got born again. And that's going to want to creep back up little by little, imperceptible. And then maybe, maybe you allow yourself this and you allow yourself that and you think that's not so bad. And first news, you know, this thing is adding up. You know, I used to like to put black pepper on just about anything. My pastor did. And I, um, I, I kind of picked up the habit from him and uh, along with the Tabasco and a few other things. But um, one day a preacher who in his former life before he started preaching he was um, a mortician, you know, the guy, the undertaker guy. And he, um, we were out eating lunch one day, and I'm pouring it on. And uh, he said, you know, you know, your body will never digest that. And I stopped. I said, huh? He said, oh, yeah. He said, that's going to lay right in your colon. He says, it's going to build up. It's going to be there. And you'll never get rid of it. I sat the pepper down. I've never had any sense. Right then, right there. Well, what I'm saying to you is that we want the Lord through His preaching, through His Word, through His ministering. We want Him to instruct us because what He's going to instruct us about is good for us. Now, my flesh wants that pepper, but my spirit is telling me you might want to leave that pepper alone, okay? And I didn't say that for you all to go throw your pepper out. That's your business, okay? There is a kind of pepper you can have, though, but it's that black pepper. But anyway, I mean, if you're caring about your health. Um, and if, you're not, if you want to know anything about that, just ask Tom over here, Tom McGum. He will help you because he eats veggie burgers. A man is healthy-minded, and I like that. Everybody said praise the Lord. I just can't figure out the candy part of it and the French fries, but I'll, you know, we'll, we'll get it balanced after a while. We'll get it balanced after a while. All right. You know, they're just some things that just got to have, right? All right. But anyway, the point being that there are things that the Spirit was saying, I commend you. There were other things that the Spirit was saying, well, i got to talk to you about those things. Well, I'm glad that God talks to us in diverse and sundry ways. I'm glad that he ministers to us so that he can help us to not go in the wrong direction and to not hurt ourselves or hurt somebody else. Um, I have told you before, um, you know, you, you can get all hopped up with all those beans you ate before you went to bed, and you can have you some kind of a dream and then go run and tell somebody without coming to the pastor. And first, you know, you've got somebody on the verge of a massive coronary, a heart attack, because you told them something you had after your Taco Bell. 
okay? So I'm just saying there are ways to do things. And even the man that became the Apostle Paul, he went up to them that were of reputation, lest he had run in vain and believed in vain. And he communicated unto them. He talked to them. He said, this is what I feel like God has told me. What do you guys think about it? And then Peter and James and John listened to him, and I'm sure they imparted some things to him, and they definitely gave him the right hand of fellowship. And everybody said amen. In other words, they said what you're talking about on that particular subject is right, and we're in agreement on that, so you can proceed with that. Uh, it is very wise to learn what God wants done and how he wants it done and not to fight against it, not to resist it, not to try to change it to the right or to the left or any other thing, not to try to change the recipe of God's soul cookbook, if you please, but that you work with it how he does it. And you know what? My blessed mother-in-law, her idea of how to do a thing was a fistful of this and a fistful of that. Well, you know, that's not quite exact enough when it comes to spiritual things. I need the exactness of the Scripture. I'm not talking about a bowl of spaghetti sauce here. Talking about our souls. Talking about making heaven our home eternally. Eternally. reason my mother-in-law is blessed because we got the Holy Ghost. Make that clear. So I am saying to you that when you come to John's account, and they've had their supper, and that should be a capital S. That was a very special supper. It wasn't the normal supper. It's a very special supper. And um, the Bible, of course, teaches that uh, the Lord began to talk to them, as I have read to you. And in in him talking to them, uh, it's time for some action, and he's about to do something, and we've got somebody in the crowd that all of a sudden, they're like, you know, going to take exception to it. And so, you know, the Lord was very patient, very kind, and um, I'm sure he would have very much liked to just clobber him right about then, but he, he took a, a different tact with it, and he just simply said, you know, if... Uh, if you don't simply follow my instructions, basically is what he's saying in parentheses. He was saying that um, if, you, if, if I don't do this, then you're not going to have any part in anything with us whatsoever. Okay? You're going to be relegated to a pretty much uh, a non-entity here. You're going to relegate yourself to that situation. And uh, so, of course, then we watch it go the other way. One extreme to the other extreme. And we must always be guarded about extremes because the devil is an extremist, okay? So either we don't do enough or we wind up doing too much. We're way far right or we're way far left. We're not on the road. We're over in the ditches or the canal somewhere, if you please, or headed forward to it. So it's important. It's important that we just do, simply do what he says. And then you know what? Then it's about him and it's about his motivations, you know, blessed are the pure in heart. It's about his motivations, the right way for the right reason. It's not then about attention for us. It's not about look at me and it's all about me and trying to get everybody's attention. 
It's not about that. That's why Jesus taught when you, you don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. That's why this teaching is about when you, when you get yourself involved with fasting, for example, and prayer. And by the way, fasting without prayer is of little to no value. You want to have the balance of it, if you please, even if your tongue is clinging to the roof of your mouth, you know, and you can't barely get any words out, that's okay. You just do what you can do as you talk to God in your particular situation there. But when you begin to trumpet, when you begin to talk about it to everybody, or you be your body language, you know, then you just lost it. It's all for naught. Because that means it's all about you. That means it's about you getting attention. And so you, you, anything that you were, what you were supposed to be trying to do is to get God's attention and to get yourself in a position to where you get that flesh dying real good and maybe dead and mortified and so that the Spirit of the Lord can, be, you'll be more sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord and the moving of the Lord and the will of the Lord and the wishes of the Lord and, and uh, find yourself in better spiritual shape that you, you've closed down uh, those portals of, of carnal information, those five carnal senses. You've shut them down, and consequently it opens up. You know, we've often said if, if a door shuts, then a better one's going to open. Well, when we begin through the prayer and the fasting to shut the, the natural carnal doors, then the spiritual doors begin to open. Our spiritual senses become more enlivened and awake, and you may feel weak, and you may feel uh, unable to put one foot in front of another, but that's when the Holy Ghost is going to begin to move because He's going to get the glory. It, is, it should never be about us trying to get the glory. And here's this guy in front of everybody, and he's saying this and putting this on, and Jesus has to say to him, look, if we don't do it this way, then you're not going to have any part of it whatsoever. Well, then he goes the other extreme, and he wants, you know, the, 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 the $25 special, you know. He wants, oh, my head, my feet, my this, my that, my other, and going the other way, and, and really he's trying to save face. And Jesus just said, you know, basically, if you just do what I'm telling you, everything's going to be fine. And, of course, thankfully, that the man humbled down to it and just blended in with everybody else, just blended in, and we went forward. How great that was. Well, it's the same thing that we find in the teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is pretty much our sole teaching in the Scripture, maybe a few fragments here and there, a few little wispy places that we can bring some little details in. But by and large, uh, you know, what could the church do? The book would be gigantic if everything, right? And I, I often marvel. I listen to the preacher from California tell about the miracles and the wonderful things that were done in people's lives, and I, I'm reminded of uh, John's account in the last chapter when he said that, um, that the world could not contain the books that should be written if they were written of all the things that Jesus had done. Can, and that, 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 you just take one preacher that comes by and begins to tell you just a few of the miracles. Now you begin to multiply that not only by how many works and preachers there are internationally that have the truth and that have had miracles or people in their congregation miracles that he could tell about. But all, and, and of course anybody that has one, that, that's under his administration. So it's still the same point. But what I am saying is then you take that back almost 2,000 years 
to the, when Jesus walked the face of the earth in the days of his flesh and the disciples that were there and witnessed it. And no wonder the Bible said that the world couldn't hold the books if they did get written. That should be written. It just couldn't do it. You couldn't have a library big enough and there wouldn't be enough books and enough pages of all the things that he has done and is continually doing and will do until that first resurrection. And boy, what a miracle that's going to be. What a miracle that's going to be. And can you imagine, can you imagine, can you imagine that the, uh, the miracles that we have yet to see, the things that he's going to do, and, and yet there are people that right in front of them, miracles are taking place, and they don't believe them, or it's not enough for them. We've got to go from one extreme to another. Instead of just submitting ourselves to what God does and how he does it, how wonderful it is. And it, uh, we can let things that really are big be seen very small to us and become insignificant to us. But the miracle, as was somebody said it during conference, that you're able to get up and get out of bed, you can breathe, and that all systems are on go and everything is working. What a, what a wonderful miracle uh, we are as a creation and the mind that he has given to us, how, how wonderful it is that out of billions of people we have been baptized in Jesus name and we have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and that he has opened our understanding that we might understand the scriptures when there's billions of people that do not understand it that stumble in the darkness and you and I are walking in the light as he's in the light yes, and that we have service after service and day in and day out of his presence and his power and his glory and everybody said praise the Lord all right then, so in 1 Corinthians 11, he has just gone through 16 verses, and he has taught about some things that have to do with nature. Now, you know, I could set off on a teaching here of why the ladies are to leave their hair alone and why the men are to have a nice haircut. I could go into all that, and, and that's fine, but, you know, some people only see the end of the branch. That they, that's all they see. Uh, instead of seeing the root of things. And the root of that, with, without me getting into it right now, is, has to do with nature. And just let it be said this way, that God wants a man to be a man as he created and ordained, and he wants a woman to be a woman as he created and ordained. Amen. Moving on now, moving right along. Uh, verse 17. Verse 17. And, of course, in verse 16, he made it clear. Anybody thinks any other way, he said, that's not how we think. That's not how we think. You know, And I expect that the church thinks differently than the world. I expect them to think differently than we do, all right? So, but what Jesus is looking for is the people that are in the church to think like he, through the leadership, brings the thinking, okay? So that we can simply learn to do what he says. All right, not to argue with it, not to disagree with it, not to quarrel with it, even when you feel like you're doing good. You know, I had somebody the other day, and they, um, they answered me back, and I wanted to take care of something. I had the money out, and they said, no, and I said, you got to quit talking back to me. <gasps> oh, yes, sir. You know? But that can get to be a bad habit. That's why we have to be corrected. I told you about the policeman who pulled me over that time, and, and he said, you know, we, 
you didn't stop. I said, no, I did a California roll. I rolled right through it. And so he said, um, he said, you know, we want you to stick around. We don't want you to get killed. And I said, you're right, sir. I said, I should have stopped. He said, well, put your hand out here. Let me slap it. Well, you know, sometimes it's just that light. God will just do it that lightly. You know, I had a, and we have to, please remind me tonight in our prayer, we have to pray for all the law enforcement um, because one of them told me he wasn't going to give me a ticket if we pray for him. So we're going to pray for him because he didn't give me that ticket. <laughs> I was just a typical, typical running fast preacher. And I told somebody tomorrow morning, I said, you have to leave instead of the 730. You better leave at 715 because you don't drive as fast as I do, which is a good thing. So you leave a little earlier. So um, anyway, I'm saying to you that uh, here we have this teaching, and God's trying to get it just to simply do what he says. And so he comes in verse 17 here, and he says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I'm talking to you, I'm declaring something. And he said, in other words, he's saying, I'm about to declare this to you. So he says, um, in this, he said, I praise you not. Boy, he just told him right at the top, didn't he? Just made, and everybody just, oh, God. You know, because he's, he's fixing to come now. He's done with the good stuff. Now we're going to, you know. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, you want the good news or the bad news? I said, give me the bad news first. Let's get it out of the way. He said, there is no bad news. I said, great. Give me the good news. <laughs> well, the good news was is that, um, the Lord provided a $1,500 blessing. I was very happy about that. It was, it was going to be given to somebody else, but see, they're going to give it to me so I'm, for the church. So I'm really happy about that. Isn't that right, Brandon? Thank you. Good. <laughs> There's a long story of that. Don't worry about it. It's a good story, though. Anyway, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to praise you on this when I'm going to talk about it. <clears throat> he said, because when you come together, he said, not for the better. He said, when you're getting together, it's not for the good. It's not for the better. And it's not edifying here. And uh, you're not doing this right. And so he said, it's, it's actually for the worse. And, you know, we don't ever want our coming together to be counterproductive. We want it to be productive. We want it to be glorifying God. And we want his name to be praised. And we want the whole body to be made stronger and more balanced. And everybody said amen. So he said, first of all, so here's his first point. He said, when you come together in the church or the church house, he said, I hear that there be divisions among you. And he said, and I partly believe it. I guess he did knowing people and knowing the flesh. He said, for there must be also heresies or different viewpoints from the correct viewpoint. That's what a heresy is. When you deflect off of that correct mind of Christ and viewpoint. And he said, um, he said, uh, so there must be heresies among you or different viewpoints uh, that, which, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. And, you know, I think of it as how that as time goes on and the work of God goes on and the body of Christ goes on, that there are those that just peel off, fall off, shear off, get left behind, jump overboard, however you want to illustrate it. And that in that happening, the others continue to move on. They continue to grow. They simply do what they are told from the chapter and verse, from the Word of God and the subject matter. And, uh, and, and that has been that way since the beginning. A simple example, of course, is when Jesus began to give some teaching that there were those that walked with him no more. And he looked at his 12 and his inner circle, and he said, Hey, you going to leave too? And, of course, that's when Peter, bless his little heart, said the right thing. And he said, well, where would we go? He said, you have the words to eternal life. So 
but where are we going to go? You get to the top, you get to the truth, you get to this. If you leave, there's nowhere to go but down. Now the devil in your flesh will make you think that you got it all together and you know more. But that's the devil's work, okay? That's what he does. He is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. Those people that left Jesus, they went off telling how great they were and trying to get everybody to follow them and do this and do that. And so, you know, and we, of course, we don't read about them anymore in the Bible. And it's just like at the um, Mount of Olives, in that little place called Bethany. And there he began to give them last-minute instructions, telling them to go get the Holy Ghost and to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, for the remission of sins. And uh, the Scripture teaches above 500, but only about 120 simply did what he said. But weren't they wonderfully rewarded for hanging in there and for reining in their own human will and spirit? Get it in under control, okay? And with everybody together, coordinatedly, they went and assembled together, assembled together in an upper room of the church house, and then came that sound from heaven. And it took seven days till that took place. And, you know, if it had been some of those 380 in there, they would have been mumbling and grumbling that whole seven days. But, see, they already had peeled off. They'd already gone another way, and we don't read about them anymore. But we read about the 120 that were filled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to do so. And they stood with the one that God said is going to speak today. Now, if it hadn't have been the right teaching and those that were taught and took it, and when Jesus said, you don't be like the others, and that you try to do this and do that and do the other, and you're worried about who's going to be first or second or whatever. You know, it wasn't that Peter stood up and the eleven stood with him. And he preached the truth and the gospel. It wasn't nobody fussing about who was going to get to talk and how long they were going to get to talk. And that's why about 3,000 were added to the church that day. Wasn't just talking about being in one mind and one accord. They demonstrated it. They demonstrated it, that we are trained. We're finely tuned. And we're, we're, we're about getting God's attention and giving Him the glory. This is not about us promoting ourselves. This is not a self-promoting uh, church or business so you know if you're into self-promotion then you might want to try it out in Hollywood or something you know uh, it'll, it'll work a lot better there but not in the church because the church doesn't think like that alright so he said look um, it's going to be made in other words manifest it's going to be made manifest who's, who's really in the spirit here who's, I, I saw people one time um, try to prove that they were right by dancing and speaking in tongues. That's not what dancing and speaking in tongues is all about. Actually, they just proved the point of the church that you're in the wrong spirit. You have the wrong attitude. And when they started doing that, I was like, thank you for proving my point. You know? So you don't take the things, the precious things of God, and try to use them for your own self-promotion. It will not work. And that's why we have checks and balances in the Scripture. And that's why there's good and deeper teaching in the Scripture, that we don't want to just be top minner. We don't want to be shallow, and we don't want to be the end of the, of the branch, and just that's all there is to it. There's a whole lot more to this. 
you know, and you don't want to just be one of those little branches that all it does is bleed things off, good nutrient, good this, good that, taking all of that when it's designed for that to go up through the top and reach out to those fruit-producing branches. And everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. That's why the Lord told him, he said, why cumbereth the ground with it? Pluck it up. And the, and, the, and the pastor, he's just praying, and he's saying, oh, God, oh, God, let me do this. And God's saying, you want to waste your time? Go ahead. You know what? But you might want to learn to simply do what I tell you because you might keep something to your harm. You might hang on to something that's going to be a detriment to the rest of the body or the rest of the vineyard. And so we have to simply learn to do what he says. And everybody said amen. All right. So then... And he said, and what's going to happen is then the others that are approved, approved of God, that God puts his stamp on it, God said this is approved, that's going to be put to the manifest or made clear and obvious, all right? Uh, I have known of people to, um, you could take two people, and I have seen one stay and make it and one not stay and make it. And the reason came down to the one that stayed and made it was the one that simply did what the pastor said to do. Now, the other guy might have had much more talent um, or a woman must have much more talent or much more this or much more that, but you see, they didn't stick. They couldn't simply do what they were told. And so they wind up, and then time goes by. You never hear of them anymore. They go downhill and become like a, a puddle of cow manure that just dries up and blows away. You know? How much better to simply do what we're told? And then, you know, we can hear a little more of that positive. The Lord saying, the good things. I know thy works. I know thy labor. I know thy patience, and so on and so forth. Because, you know, when it gets to that part where he says, nevertheless, uh-oh, you know. So, But there's always going to be some nevertheless because we're not perfect, and we're in, we're in, a, in a, a journey here, okay? And so when some smart mouth out there, some devil uh, speaks, and their tongue is like a sword, and they speak uh, in, in some cutting manner to you, uh, you just remember to tell them, well, look, I've got the plan of salvation, I've got the experience, and I'm growing in grace and knowledge. And I don't claim to have the whole uh, thing here yet, but I'm, I'm working on it daily, dying daily, getting over things, moving forward, you know. You don't let the enemy through anybody put you in the corner, all right? And we're not going around holier than thou, though it doesn't take a whole lot to be holier than thou. Because most of them, there's no holy at all, you know. So if you've got a smidgen of it, you're ahead of them. So anyway, but I mean, we don't have an attitude. We don't have a chip on our shoulder. We are just very happy about what God has, His grace has placed in our lives. And everybody said amen. amen. So he said now, the whole thing came down to when you're come together, uh, therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, you're supposed to be coming to eat the Lord's Supper, but that's not what you're doing. And what it boiled down to is they were thinking about, everybody was thinking about themselves. And he got upset about it in the spirit, and he began to straighten it out. Okay? And so, in other words, what was designed by Jesus Christ to be a very good and edifying thing to be done in remembrance of him until he returns had descended into a house of disorder. Things were not being done correctly. People were not acting right. And so he had to deal with it. And that's what you have to learn to do when there's an uprising. you got to deal with it. So he said, I can't praise you 
in this, okay? He said, I praise you not. And so in other words, the preacher is not supposed to allow things to just keep on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. We have to obey the Holy Ghost. And when God wants to deal with a thing, then we have to deal with it. And we have to realize that it is best for the overall work of God, the big picture, the body of Christ, okay? So uh, we all should be thankful for when things are pointed out. That's taking it in the right spirit and the right attitude because it's given in the right spirit and the right attitude. Okay, everybody said amen. amen. So <clears throat> anyway, he began to give to them what he had received of the Lord, and he began to tell them how they were, the Lord said to take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, and this do in remembrance of me. He was quoting the words of the Lord. And, and, and you know, you pretty much have to figure that the Apostle Paul had a lot of Bible studies with them that were a reputation, and they handed things down to him because he wasn't there at that supper. Okay, he was not there. He was one born out of due season. He came later. Now, he wasn't a whit behind the chiefest, okay? But to have those exact words that Jesus had spoken strongly indicates in going and sitting down and taking time with people that were before him and had experience and humble enough to obey the, the instruction of the Lord. You go and sit down with them and you compare notes and you get balance and you get reassurance you find out that what you're thinking and what you're doing is correct. And if they tell you something's not, then you stop doing that. Okay, so he did. And so he taught here, uh, and he said, uh, after that, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And, of course, tonight, that's what we plan to do, and do it in remembrance of him, keeping it very alive in our hearts that he did as the Lamb of God a body prepared that he did give his life. He laid down his life for us on the cross, and he shed the blood. That's the only thing that can give to us remission of sins. Without that shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness or full pardon of sins. And it's, uh, so we want to remember that, okay? And that's why we do this uh, and try to do it each year. There's nothing in the Scripture that says anything about a time any more than the scripture says that, you know, you come of age when you're 12. It does not say that, okay? So we simply have the challenge to believe what it says. And we try to filter out and not get involved with things that people say are in the Bible when they're not. People get an awful lot of wild ideas, and it sounds good to the flesh, and the flesh grabs it and runs with it, but it's not in the scripture. We want what's in the Scripture. We want subject matter. We want chapter and verse. We have something in the way of a huge incentive out there, and it's called eternity, heaven. We want to we wanna be with the Lord, okay? Everybody said praise God. You know, some people's idea is that <clears throat> there is no heaven, neither is there a hell, and that the earth is going to be here forever. Let's talk about deception right there, huh? I'm glad there is a heaven because the Bible teaches it. And I'm certainly not happy about it, but there is a hell, and the Bible teaches about that. And I'm also glad that the Bible teaches that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, which some people, when you show them and quote it, and there it is, read it, it just like a blankness comes over them. And it just, as somebody said this morning, in one ear and out the other. That's it, you know. So you thank God 
that he awakened your heart and that you had your understanding open and that you are among those that Jesus said were, you know, you're blessed because there were many righteous that would like to have what you have and they didn't get it. They didn't get to have this grace that we have in the time in which we live. And everybody said, praise the Lord. So remember, for as, he said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup or the wine, uh, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And he said, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, verse 28 helps you out with that, and that is that it said, but let a man, or that means any human, let a man, a woman, person, examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. And that's where good old repentance comes in, something that you probably and should definitely practice each and every day. And that's the theme, really, and for us in Revelation, to repent and overcome. Repent and overcome. But remember, repentance is supposed to be a cutting off and a stopping, that we're not going to do that, all right? So once again, I will encourage you um, what you're taught at church and the way we go about our business on the job or anywhere else. Uh, we want that to continue right into our home life, okay? So um, you just remember that when if somebody comes knocking on your door to visit you at the church, then you better be dressed correctly, okay? Just because you're home doesn't mean when somebody comes in that you can parade around any old way you want. That is not correct, okay? And if you got to make a run to the store, you should look right, okay? All right, I just want to drop that in because you represent the Lord. And if you've got some things that nobody should see you in, uh, and I'm not taking that extreme, but I think you understand what I'm saying, uh, then you might want to get them out of your wardrobe. might want to move them out, put them in the yard sale. We'll be very thankful about that. And, um, you know, then you won't have to worry about something like that happening want to do things correctly and you want to form good spiritual habits everybody said praise the lord you know we did have uh, i knew somebody years and years and years ago they they had a swimming pool and um got to be a teenager and uh got to run around to the front of the house to get the mail in the bathing suit well you know i was just getting the mail yeah well next time you'll just be going to get a loaf of bread you know so that's what i'm saying We've got to follow through here, and we've got to simply do what he says. And if we do, we'll be the happier for it. We'll be the healthier for it. And everybody will be better for it. So as time goes on, then those that are approved, it will be made very clear. Just like Jesus said, you learn to enter into the closet, shut the door, then you're going, your profit, your, your growth, and everything is going to be made manifest. The, the Spirit of the Lord will show that okay you don't have to come crashing out the door and blowing your own horn and trying to get everybody to see how great you think you are okay because that's just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal and all you did was embarrass yourself whether you know it or not okay and people make mental notes so i'm just saying let's simply do it god's way and let's do whatever we do for his glory and for his praise unto the praise of his glory as a matter of fact we want his glory to be praised. That's what that scripture is saying. So, anyway, uh, it is very important that we examine ourselves. Very important that we have a good prayer of repentance and that we make sure that we're putting everything under the blood before we partake, okay? 
and you ask God and you have good faith that when you pray and you repent that God will forgive you. And that's the teaching, of course, to the church found in 1 John that if we confess, then he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Okay, so you make a good confession to the Lord. I've been in services where somebody stood up and confessed. The next thing you know, it just caught fire, and everybody in the church is up confessing. Well, uh, that happens to me a lot, even at lunch tables, because find out you're a preacher and look out. You know, it gets going. People just feel a great compulsion to tell you all of their problems and their sins and whatever. And I'm not looking to hear anybody's sins. I want you to make that known to the Lord. And he, he's the forgiver of everything. And I'm so glad that he is. All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. So if I've said anything to offend you, you know you must forgive me. You have no choice. You must forgive me. Okay? I mean, if you plan to make heaven, you must forgive me. But I don't intentionally say anything to upset anybody. Uh, but I, and I hope that you appreciate when any of us in this pulpit that I allow in this pulpit preach the truth to you. And, and if it stings or some way gets your attention, then you, you thank God for it, that he cares enough to minister to you, that he takes the time to minister to you. All right, I have been in services and had the Lord just speak and say, this is for somebody. And, and can you imagine that God care that much to reach into a congregation to minister particularly to one person? Everybody gets fed, but particularly, you know, God does love us, and he does want us to spend all of eternity with him. And I can't think of one thing that will be worth missing heaven over. And I'm telling you that hell is going to be full of people that won't even remember why, what the fuss was all about, you know, and will realize uh, that, you know, you could, you could have something that you want to do and you just think, it's oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden you have a heart attack. And you know what? Your priorities change, and you're not thinking about anything else except, yeah, I've got to get better. All of a sudden, just like that, it can change. Believe me, your priorities can change. And uh, I, heard, I read about one man that had a very indulgent life. Uh, this was in the Palm Beach Post years ago. And uh, he lived on Palm Beach itself. And, you know, he was able to do anything he wanted to do. But, you know, one day the fountain dried up. And now he's an elderly man. And they were interviewing him and talking to him about all those glamour days, you know. And, and they said, you know, um, they started asking him a question. He said, you know, he said, right now, living here in Lake Worth in this little tiny house, he said, I'm just trying to make it. How your priorities can change. How things can change. And so let us be thankful for how good we have it. Let us be thankful that God is helping us to get the priorities and keep them there. Keep them right. Before somebody is going to be like that fellow that lifted up his eyes in hell and torment. you know, And then all of a sudden his priorities changed. He just wanted one little dipping of the finger, touching the end of his parched tongue, all right? And he wanted people to be saved that he didn't care about that before. Now he wanted them to be saved and wanted to be a better example to people that he should have been and other things that were there that he was doing. It was too late to pray then. It was too late to have a burden then. It was too late to make your request known to God then, much too late, all right? So while we have this opportunity and while we have the light and we can walk in the light, while we can be a uh, satisfied, content member of the body of Christ, the congregation of the Lord, uh, then let us, let us just simply do what he asks. Let us do what he says. And I promise you, by the word of the Lord, that you will be a happy camper for it. You'll be so happy about it. There's many a person in hell that would love to have your seat tonight. 
believe me, they'd love to have it. They'd trade it in a heartbeat. They would be here, and they would have a whole different attitude about it. It wouldn't be making big claims about, you know, you ain't washing my feet, or, oh, we'll wash everything, you know. It wouldn't be any of that. You'd just kind of shut your mouth and nod your head, and let's get on with it, okay? All right, let's stand together. So having, we'll take a moment, of course, in prayer together. Give everybody a, another opportunity to um, examine yourself, and then we will partake, and we'll give you instructions, okay? And uh, we want to, you know, be happy about this. So if you just take a moment to judge yourself and tell the Lord that, you know, I want everything please taken care of here, and uh, then he'll do that for you. This is not something to exclude you. It's rather to include you and to take part so that you can be a part of remembering, doing this in remembrance of him. So let's take a moment, lift our heart with our hands and pray. Father God, we are but human beings, worms, O Lord, before thy greatness. And we pray this prayer of repentance, O Lord, asking you to forgive us of the deepest and the darkest secrets, of the most vile things that can find their way into our hearts. I pray, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will forgive each and every one of us here tonight, Lord, of every hidden pride and rebellion and disobedience and so on and so forth, dear God. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to let your blood wash us clean and to help us to do that simply what you want us to do, to be more obedient, God, to get to a place to where we can listen to the voice of the Lord and the leadership and the Word of God and go forward and do what you would have us to do, God, that we could blend in and be that body of Christ in one mind and one accord, doing the great work of the Lord throughout this city and community. I give you thanks and praise for the opportunity to be in the body of Christ and to be a part of your work and to do your holy, your most holy will. I thank you, Lord God, for thou art God alone, and there is no other. Please hear us tonight, Lord, as we pray, and accept our prayers, and strengthen us to do the good and do the right, and help us to learn to do good and to do right. I give you praise, I give you thanks, thou King of saints, thou God of gods and Lord of lords, and all the earth, O Lord, shall come and worship before thee, my Father. And I praise you to be a part, God, of a church that praises you, and worships you, loves you and magnifies, and that's everything to be done unto the praise of your glory. Help us to decrease that thou might increase in the minds and the eyes of a lost and dying world. Oh God, we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you thanks, Jesus. We give you thanks, Jesus. I praise thee, O most holy God. Thank you, Jesus, for your great forgiveness. Jesus' great name. All right, Senior Sid Phelps coming, and they're going to begin to give you a few little instructions here as we, everything is to be done, of course, decently and in order, and uh, not just partaking of the Lord's Supper, but everything that we try to do, we want to do it decently and in order. We do not want pandemonium and uh, things of that nature, okay? That's why we try to, you know, especially with the young people, try to have... Um, I tell all my Sunday school teachers, when you bring those children up, have one at the head and one at the tail. Keep them in between. You never know. So, because we want things to be done decently in order. All right? Because, you know, things can happen in a heartbeat. And we love the Lord, so we're going to um, 
partake tonight. And of course, we have two, one on each side for the men, one for the ladies, and then same thing with the wine. And uh, so what you'll do is you'll come and um, they will give you uh, the unleavened bread.